Elevates on a three. It's an air ball. Wow. And the Aces have gone the road to Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky and stunned the number one Wildcats 67-64. This is Aces on the Air, the official podcast for Evansville Athletics. Craig lines it into center field base hit. Here comes Brooks from around third. He will score. And the Aces walk it off again. Aces on the Air is brought to you by Taroni's Pizzeria and Brewery. Claim a $3 off value at any 2023-2024 UE Athletics event on campus. Sherry sends one into shallow right field. It's a base hit. Here comes Craig around third. There is no throw. Simon says game winner. Now here's the voice of the Aces, Jevin Redmond. This is Aces on the Air, brought to you by Taronis and powered by Learfield. Hello again, Aces fans. I'm Jevin Rebin. Episode 9 features DJ Ballantyne, one of the UE men's basketball greats, a 2016 grad. Most points in program history, 2,464 career points. He passed up Colt Ryan, and he led the Missouri Valley Conference in scoring three straight seasons. Only two other players have done that, Larry Bird and Oscar Robertson. We'll talk with DJ about his playing days and experience here at Evansville and also what his role is with the staff as Director of Player Development. Before we get to that conversation with DJ Ballantyne, we want to thank Tronies for sponsoring Aces on the Air and remind Aces fans that whenever you attend any Aces event on campus, that is not men's basketball at Ford Center, it's the other events on campus, which would be women's basketball right now, you can grab a $3 off voucher for your next trip to Taroni's. You can grab that voucher at the entry gate when you come to an Evansville women's basketball game. Let's get to our conversation, Episode 9, with DJ Ballantyne, 2016 Evansville grad and now Director of Player Development for Head Coach David Raglan. DJ, thanks for your time this week. Aces on the air. Welcome back to Evansville. We've been here for, for several months, uh, Director of Player Development. And let's just simply start with uh, how has the return to Evansville been for you? Oh, it's been amazing. Uh, you know, just to see so many people from back in the day when I was here. I say back in the day like it was a long time ago, but uh, from see so many people from when I was here. Uh, it's been really, really nice. And uh, they've welcomed me with open arms. And it's almost like I've never left. You know, that's how much they've, they've, they've shown a lot of love since I've been back. Director of Player Development, what does that mean exactly? You know, just basically what it says, developing those guys. Uh, you know, so many people think, you know, develop them on the court, but it's really develop them uh, off the court as well. These guys have a, such a strenuous st- schedule and uh, a lot of busy moments in their life, and it's trying to balance basketball with their everyday life and then also just, uh, you know, obviously get them better on the court in every possible way. Now, obviously, you had the connection to the university from your playing days and stuff, but with this staff and Coach Raglan, what's the connection there? And did you know Coach Raglan much before this whole process started? Yeah, so when <laughs> it's funny. When Rags was at Indiana State, they actually recruited me and uh, offered me a scholarship, and I was scheduled to go on a visit there after my Evansville visit. But obviously, that got cut short. I committed to Evansville. And so uh, playing against Rags for four years – uh, we we built a we built a relationship with each other, knowing each knowing of each other, and then uh, when he got the job here, uh, I congratulated him, and he called me, and we talked on the phone for a while, and then obviously when there was a spot open for me to come back, he gave me a call, and I mean I jumped on it first thing. 
What about the other guys on this staff? I mean, Roosevelt, kind of close to you in age. Uh, I know Pete yeah. a little bit younger, but the staff being around you guys seems to get along very well. So yeah. uh, what's it like working with those guys, and did you know those guys before you got here? Man, this staff is like no staff I've ever seen before. Like, we're very, very close. We joke and laugh all the time. Uh, when we do have downtime, we're hanging out together. Uh, and it, Mostly it's still talking about basketball and our job, but – uh, sometimes we talk about other stuff outside uh, outside of work, but uh, you know, obviously I know Rose from for a long time. Me and him uh, played in the same year, so we played against each other when he was at Butler. Yep. Uh, his career started very similar to mine. He started at IUK, which is which where I started at. Uh, he went to Division Two. I went to Division Two, and now we're both here at Division One level. So uh, we've known each other for a long time. Obviously, we're really close. Everyone can see that. But uh, you know, G, G's my guy. <laughs> Sammy, Peter, Snow, all those. I mean, we're super close. Super close staff. You mentioned your start in coaching and your couple of different stops. But did you know you wanted to coach when you were playing? Was that a realization afterwards? How did that work for you? You know, when I was playing, I definitely wanted to to be a coach. Uh, I didn't think it would happen so soon. I still thought I could play for, uh, my goal was always, always to try to play 10 years after uh, college. So uh, I was able to play four and then, you know, COVID happened. I was home for a while and then I got reached out to uh, by the head coach of IUK and said, hey, I want you to be my head assistant here. And I was like, you know what? That's a great situation. They're a great program. Uh, it's in my hometown. Uh, I don't have to travel or leave or, you know, worry about anything. And I always wanted to coach. And so it was a tough, tough decision. And I talked to my close circle. And uh, my little brother made a great point. Like, you know what, you can play for another 10 years, uh, but you could coach for another 50. And so why not just start now? And I was like, you know what, that's a great Great, great, great points. So I, I decided to start coaching. We'll talk about your UE playing days some here shortly, but you mentioned hoping to play 10 years pro ball. You played four. You had yep. four different stops. Uh, Lithuania started in 2016, mm -hmm. uh, Netherlands 2017, Iceland 2018, and then Cyprus 2019. So a lot of different experiences for you. What was that professional life like for DJ Valentine? Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was tough. The toughest part was just being away from family and the time the time change, you know, mm -hmm. six, seven hours having to wait till three in the morning my time to talk or uh, wake up really early to try to catch him at night. So that was the toughest part. But, uh, you know, basketball is basketball. Over there, they treat you very well. You know, they treat Americans like you're a superstar. So yeah. that's always nice. And then uh, it was just it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I do miss it every day. But I love this coaching stuff. And so, I, you know, I don't regret not playing, but I do miss it. 2016 UE grad, all-time leading scorer almost 2,500 points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you grew up in, in Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, did you know much about the Evansville program growing up, or did that kind of come to your attention through the recruiting process? I knew absolutely nothing about <laughs> Evansville when I was in Kokomo. I had no, no idea about it. I uh, knew a lot about it, obviously, when I started getting college interest. I knew a lot about it then, but uh, nowhere in my thought process did I think I would end up at Evansville University. What was playing Indiana high school basketball like for you? Oh, it's nothing like it. I mean, you talk about, you know, every Friday night, that's what everyone's doing. Yeah. You know, everyone's going to the game. Everyone's talking about the basketball game Friday. And, uh, you know, it was atmosphere. It doesn't prepare you necessarily for college, but it's uh, it does help because atmospheres are not like any other state. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that attend the games. It's rowdy crowds. It's, uh, you know, Hoosier hysteria is what they call it. But, uh, oh, Indiana basketball, high school basketball is amazing in the state. 
So as you're playing in high school, you mentioned you knew really nothing about Evansville until the recruiting process. So uh, why did you say yes to come here? You know, uh, a lot of people don't know this. I was really, really prepared to go to Missouri State. Mm-hmm. I had uh, five visits lined up. They were my fifth visit because I told Coach Lusk at the time that I was coming to Missouri State. I had an unofficial. I loved it. I just told him I wanted to get all the visits out the way, save you for last. I'm coming to you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Evansville was my second visit. And I remember coming here, and it was just like, wow, this feels like home. Mm-hmm. Like Coach Simmons, the players, the staff, like this feels it. But I had my mindset on Missouri State. I was like, no, I'm not, I'm, I can't do that. So leaving the visit, uh, I could see some of the players were sad. I didn't commit right away. You know, Coach Simmons were, and the staff were a little sad. And about three days go by, Coach Hollander, his, his, one of his assistants, called me, calls mm-hmm. me, and he's like, you know what? If this feels right, do not wait because we, you know, the recruiting process, we have to get somebody in here. We want you. You're our main guy. But if you if you wait on us and someone else commits, you're out. Right. And so I'm like, gosh. And <laughs> I'm such a baby. I start crying. And, like, I go to my mom and dad. and like, you know what? I got to do this. Evansville feels like home. It feels like family. And so I committed. Mentioned over 2,400 points, the most in program history, passing Colt Ryan, who had almost 2,300 points. We'll talk about Colt here shortly. <laughs> But just simply, man, obviously you could shoot the basketball, but why were you so good, do you think, at the college level? You know, uh, I think what helped me separate from most was the IQ. I wasn't the most athletic person out there. I wasn't jumping the highest. I wasn't the quickest. I wasn't the fastest. Uh, But I was pretty smart. I was reading reading defenders. I was reading how to make the game easier for me because I I wasn't that fast. I wasn't jumping out the gym. So finding ways to score easier and more efficiently was – uh, I think was separated from me, and you know I could pick up on things really quick. So if coach saw something and he just told me right then, I'd do it right there. I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but you led the valley in scoring three straight years. You probably know that, but there's know. only other two players that have done that. Do you know who those two guys are? I'm gonna say Big O and Bird. Is that right? It's Larry Bird and Oscar Robertson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you That's think about that? It's a pretty good company <laughs> to be in. I know that much. Uh, those are two legends, and so when you think of uh <laughs> when you put Larry Bird and Big O in a <laughs> sentence and DJ Ballantyne's right there it's pretty it's pretty special I mentioned you passed Colt Ryan on the scoring list uh, yeah. during your playing days and and Colt finished with almost 2300 points yeah he was a senior when you were a freshman right he was what was he like as a teammate uh one of the best teammates I've had just I learned so much from him. Uh, it was intentional, too, because when we went on road trips, I was always roomed with him. Mm-hmm. When we went to dinner, I always sat with him. When we did film, I sat next to him. Like, it was intentional. And uh, they knew when he left, I would have to step up and fill his role. And uh, he did everything uh, to another level I've never seen before. The stretching, the, the nightly routines, the, the how hard he worked and practiced so the games would be easier. And... Uh, every day I was so competitive with him. We played one-on-one every day, and he would yeah. he would beat me. There'd be times where I'd beat him, <laughs> but he would beat me. And uh, that helped me so much prepare for that jump I made from the sophomore year, uh, just watching him, how he prepared every single day. He was an ultimate teammate. You know, it sounds like when guys get to this level, they all can play on the court for the most part, but it's trying yeah. to figure out how to put the work in off the court. You oh, talk yeah. about eating right oh. and still getting your, your class work in, all that goes into being a college athlete. Yeah. 
did your experience with that throughout Colt Ryan, your playing days, kind of help you in your role now as far as teaching these players how to go about their business the right way off the court? For sure, for sure. You know, as incoming freshmen, you don't know how to eat. You don't know any nutritional facts or anything like that. And, uh, you know, it, it was made such a difference in my body, and it really helped me in my playing career was what I ate and what I did off the court. You know, anybody can work really, really hard on the court. For sure, that's a given. That's what you're supposed to do. It's what you do off the court, which helps just as much. And so with me knowing, I guess, how much off the court helped me in my career, it does make it easier to tell these guys, like, hey, this is what I did to help me play 40 minutes a game, help me score this many points, help me guard this guy. Uh, I think that does help a lot, really. Do you stay in contact much with Colt Ryan? What's he up to now? Uh, you know, I, th- I know he's back home. He was. He did play for two years. I went. know he went to Belgium. Uh, we talked a, li- a little about that, and then uh, – uh, since I've got the job, I haven't talked to him that much. He's, yeah. he's busy. He has two kids now, I believe, so he's he's a busy dad right now. Another guy I wanted to ask about in terms of playing with, Gideas Moscovichus, <laughs> the big guy down low. He was with you all four years. Uh, tell yeah. us about playing with him. Gideas uh, <laughs> is, uh, is a very, very, very funny man. I mean, he's a it's, – it's, it's funny when you think about a Gideas. You know, everyone talks about the rebounding, the blocks, but uh, he's very, very passionate, very caring. Uh, and very opinionated. You know, he'd let you know. I guess it's, it might be a Europe thing. They don't have any filter, and so he would let you know right in right now how it is. You know, no sugarcoating it, no filters. Uh, it was great playing with him. Me and him were a really good one-two punch. Is he still playing, or what's he up to? He is. He's in Spain currently playing, and uh, you know, I, I know UE fans would love to have him back, but. I don't know if he has any plans <laughs> ever of coming back, but, no, he's doing good. The teams you played on outside of your sophomore season won more than 20 games. Yeah. Why were you guys so good during that time frame? I think uh, the buy-in. I think we all bought into the fact what Coach was, t- what, what coach was preaching. I think uh, everyone knew the role, and everyone wanted to win. Like, it wasn't no it really individual goals. Mm-hmm. I think – uh, we all understood that if our team success was really high, I think our individual success would come out. And uh, I think the love that we have and the connectivity that we had on that team, I mean, to this day, just 30 minutes ago, I was texting my old teammates. I mean, yeah. we were in a group chat. We talk every single day. And it's been seven years since I, you know, we've played together. So uh, I think the, the closeness and connectivity we had made, us a, made it a group that really wanted to buy in and win. Going to ask a tough question. Your last game came against Northern Iowa. Uh, the Aces just beat you and I at home in overtime and throwing one at Ford Center, but your last game came against the Panthers. Was, Conference yep. tournament championship. You guys went 25-9 and nine that season, but lost in a buzzer beater. Do you really ever get over it? You know, I have. <laughs> weirdly, I've watched three, four times each game I've played in my career. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never watched that game. But I can tell you exactly moment for moment what happened. Uh I have not <laughs> gotten over it, but uh, it's it, it was it was a rough rough moment uh, to <laughs> to think back on it. It was tough. Yeah. It was tough, but uh, you know that doesn't discredit the the year we had. We right. had a great year, and uh, I want to have did anything differently that year for sure yeah just take us through i mean that that postseason run making the championship i've been a part of arch madness a handful of times and hopefully this program gets to where they can make a deep run but you know having that support aces fans travel very well so just the overall experience your senior year with the conference tournament also winning the cit the year before how much fun was that oh man it's incredible just went to finish your season out on a w like only four teams get to say that you know Mm -hmm. the cit cbi nit and then obviously ncaa 
uh, you know, only four teams get to do that. So to, to have that experience and then the experience here at home in front of the fans was incredible. And like, like you said, the walkouts of the hotels during Arch Madness because we were number two seed. We were yeah. a lot of people picked to to win that tournament. So uh, they even got the fans more excited and the support that UE has when you know they they want a team to love so bad. And so when you're rolling and you're doing things right. Uh, the support is crazy to see. What are the big games stand out in your mind? I know you had a buzzer beater at SIU, right? I did. I uh, did. That was uh, a big game, yeah. Other moments stand out in your mind? Uh, you know, not, not really. I mean, all of, all of them were really good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, our trip to Anaheim was fun. We did, we did, we did, we did, we did well out there. Our, uh, our trip to Fresno State, we won that game out there. That was really fun. Uh, we had a game here at Indiana State, our first conference game. That was a lot of fun. It was a packed house, too. So, uh, no, a lot of games come to mind, but obviously that Southern Illinois <laughs> buzzer beater was a lot of fun, too. Not talking about your pro career necessarily, but here at Evansville, who's the best player you played against? It's tough. I would probably say Doug McDermott my mm -hmm. freshman year, or, I mean, we got Chris Dunn my senior year from Providence, and I hate to say it, but Cameron Payne was pretty good from Murray State, and then... Uh, <laughs> me and Fred Van Fleet and Ron Baker yeah. always had a lot of battles. So those probably those guys. All right, many trips throughout the Valley, now making them once again as a coach. Yeah. A few new members now. Of course, Creighton, Wichita State gone from whenever you played. Sure. So uh, give us best Valley trip for you or your favorite and uh, your least favorite. Oh, uh, least favorite is Indiana State. <laughs> Terre Haute, no doubt. No doubt about it. Nothing, nothing about the city. It just I never – Credit to them, I never played well there. And, I, and me and Adam Wing were just talk, talking about this. Out of all the places in the Valley, we didn't win one place. And it was at Indiana State. My four years never won there. I was going to ask that because there was a long stretch where this program didn't win up there. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I hate that place. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. my favorite place to play at is probably Illinois State at Redbird Arena. That's mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, when Wichita was here, the atmosphere they had was crazy. Uh, that was a lot of fun, but I think I would say Illinois State, for sure, Redbird Arena. That was a lot of fun. Now that you're back in coaching, uh, do you see a big difference between today's game as opposed to when you played seven, ten years ago? I do. I think, uh, you know, there's not uh, too many traditional fives like we had with the Gideas. Mm -hmm. You know, our fives today are more, uh, you know, almost guard-oriented. They're always out in the perimeter. They're really good passers. They can stretch the floor out. There's really not too many back-to-the-baskets bigs. Uh, the motion offense that we ran is no longer really prevalent in the game. It's mm -hmm. a lot of ball screens. It's a lot of, uh, you know, pin down, guard-to-guard -guard screens, action, su such things as like that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the biggest difference is the bigs and how the, how the motion offenses work. Found out on a recent road trip you can still dunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still paying for that, yeah. <laughs> so if uh, Coach Ragland said, hey, DJ, put on some shoes, you're going to play for us tonight, how many points would you drop? Right at spur of the moment, do right. I get a week to there's, prepare? The, no, there's a game tonight, DJ, you got to go play. How many, how many are you scoring? Uh, 20. <laughs> 20 easy, right? <laughs> I get 20. It's, yeah, 20 points. So are you the best player on the staff, or do you – is it you and Rose oh, that would come be – come on, not even close. You know, you, you know that. Come on. So <laughs> if you if you and Rose played one-on-one, -on -one, why would you beat him? Well, it would, we'd have to limit dribbles. He would he would bulldoze his way through me because he's, I mean, he's, a, he's a monster. Uh, but I would, I would put him out in the perimeter and 
Hopefully get him tired. That's that's what we do. Or just shoot. Just shoot. I don't know. I don't, he might have lost a step or two since playing, so I might can get him from there. But, no, we have to limit dribbles for sure. As you're now a part of this process and trying to, to build the program, you know, I think of you and Gideus and guys like Colt Ryan who were at a program for several years, of course, yeah. all four years for yeah. you. And that's uncommon now in college basketball. Really guys transfer left and right. So what are some keys you think in terms of this rebuilding process off to 7-2 and two start this year to try to keep kids here and get that sustained success? I think it's finding the right kids. I think it's really finding those kids that build into your culture, you know, that – uh, most importantly, want to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the biggest thing. You know, if you get guys that want to be here and want to buy into what we're doing, then the sustainability of changing around a program can happen. But if you're looking for guys that just have their own personal agenda that are just looking at this as a pit stop, then mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. But if you find the right guys, you find the, the right pieces, you can, you can turn around a program pretty fast. And Coach Ragland's done that off to 7-2 start after winning just five games last year. And I think it's interesting because when he got the job early June, and he's mentioned this before, he could have come in and cleared house right away, yep. forced players out, tried to get a bunch of different pieces. Yep. But he didn't do that because he thought, if I grab the wrong piece, that affects us maybe for a couple of years. So they bit the bullet for a season, and now you're seeing um, some success with the right guys in place. Are you surprised? I don't want to say surprised, but – what are your thoughts on just how well he's put together this roster where a lot of the pieces have fit? You know, I, I'm not surprised. You know, coming to uh, – uh, making a decision as a coach in this profession from leaving one school to another is huge. You don't want to go to somewhere where it's, it's, it's rocky or you have a chance to maybe, you know, get put out in a couple of years. And so making that decision for me from leaving uh, Jimmy Elgis, who I played for, which we had something really good going mm-hmm. – and coming to Evansville was was tough because, you know, you have to trust what Rags is doing. And I 100% trusted what he was doing. I knew the way he – how he carried himself. I knew him back in the day. And I knew the players and staff he put he built around that this was going to turn around quick. And he has a passion. You know, I know he, I know he went to USI, and I won't hold that against him. <laughs> but he almost has a passion as if he went here. Sure. You know, me and him has talked. He really wants to revive this program to what it should be. And when you have a guy at the helm – who cares deeply like that, it, it flows down right. to the other people in the staff and the program. I know people use this term loosely in terms of talking about their program where they say it's a family-like atmosphere, but it really is with this group, and I think it starts with Coach Raglan. I see how he treats you know everybody from top to bottom, and yeah. he's so in the moment and uh, has to be fun to work with, right? Oh, it's so, it's so much fun to work with. I mean, this, he comes in every morning and he, you know, he shakes up with everybody in the office and makes sure he says, hey, uh, you know, rarely is he in a bad attitude, you know, unless <laughs> the guys put him in there. But, uh, you know, it is a lot of fun. It's a great working atmosphere. It's, you know, he gives he gives a lot of responsibility. You know, we have to do our job, and he trusts us with that. And I think that helps us a lot. When your head coach is trusting you with really important work, it makes you work harder because you don't want to let him down. You know, he's trusting you. He's the main guy. And uh, I think it, it, it makes it – really fun environment I was going to ask about that empowering his assistant coaches something yeah. that he's wanting to do more this year and he has yeah. from your experience you know playing here than a couple of the stops has, is, is it like that in other programs or is it more so here you think you know I think it's more so here you know typically at other programs the head coach is it's it's his way or no way but he is really really listening to uh, our opinions he values them a lot he gives us responsibility on certain you know every game I have something to do every game. Rose has something to do. Snow, Peter, and if G, it flows down, and we combine our work together and give it to him. And and he just he 
goes with it. Like yeah. he doesn't say, you know, that I want it this way. He I do it your way, present it to me, and then we'll present it to the team. And I think that helps a lot. So as we talk about the family atmosphere, you have to have some fun with family members too. So Co- Coach G seems to get picked on a lot. <laughs> he's an easy target. <laughs> uh, give us uh, – this is, this is your, your one chance. Give us something that you get a kick out of Coach Ragland. Maybe something he does or says you guys kind of laugh about, give him a hard time. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, he's such a good guy. It's hard to pick on anything. It's but really there's got to be one thing that's kind of funny. It's really hard. You know, it's <laughs> – I don't know if there's anything he typically does that's, that we make fun of. I think uh, sometimes when he gets mad and he yells at the guys, his hand placement is really, really funny. Like, he'll put his hand straight up in the air and, like, he's an 80-year-old man screaming. <laughs> and I think that's that's the most funny thing he does. And then sometimes his words that he says or I don't know. He doesn't do too much to make fun of him. But probably the hand placement is what we, we joke about a lot. <laughs> Well, we've talked some about your playing days, um, and in terms of building a program, it's a bit tougher, maybe with the mid-major than Power Five in terms of NIL money and deals. So, DJ, yeah. if you were a player right now, what would a dream NIL deal be for you? <laughs> like what? What, what place would I want to? Yeah, what, what yeah. would be your your one one thing you'd want? <laughs> it could be some deal with a car dealership or a, a food place. You know, it's so sad. I'm gonna get made fun. It's it'd be an ideal NIL deal from Coldstone. Coldstone, huh? Coldstone, yeah. Give me a lifetime free voucher. Every time I walk in, I get something free. Lifetime, huh? Not just one year? Nah, give me a lifetime. NIL <laughs> deal from Coldstone. We'll make it happen. Why is that your top top spot? You know, when I was here, it was sad. Like, every day I went to Coldstone after practice, every day. And it was to the point where I would just call and say, hey, this is DJ. And they would say, gotcha. And I'd walk in. <laughs> And my milkshake would be in the refrigerator, already made, pay for it, Mount. Like it was that, it was, it was clockwork. What kind of milkshake was the go-to order? Stra- uh, strawberry chocolate. Oh, yeah, good uh, choice. Yeah, it was, it was sickening how much I went there. So in your role, is that your advice is, hey, to eat right is, is drink a bunch of milkshakes? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I only got, I only was able to eat, drink milkshakes because of the work I did. If I didn't work out like the way I did, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> Uh, growing up, we, we talked about playing at Kokomo High School, uh, playing Indian High School basketball. Younger DJ, who were some role models for you, players you liked watching, you know, college level, NBA level, who was it? Yeah, uh, Reggie Miller, for sure. I wore number 31 because of Reggie Miller. Mm-hmm. Indiana guy, typical, obviously, but uh, the way he moved without the ball, the way he shoot, uh, his little wrist sweatbands he wore, I was, I was in love with Reggie. Uh, LeBron, obviously now. And then back then, and then surprisingly, Sebastian Telfair, the high school oh, level, yeah. I was big time Sebastian fan. Just uh, his work, his work ethic. He had a movie through the fire, great movie. And so those are probably the three guys. You're obviously busy right now with your responsibilities, but do you do you watch much other basketball when when you leave here campus, or do you watch other sports? How do you pass the time? Football, football, big NFL guy. Big NFL guy. I do watch. I do watch typically college basketball if there's a key matchup or someone in the conference or someone I know is playing. Uh, NBA not as much unless it's LeBron or Steph. Not really interested in that to playoffs. But uh, yeah, football gets all my downtime. So do you watch uh, just to watch for entertainment? Or do you have a favorite team? I have a favorite team, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Best best team in in football. So Indiana <laughs> guy, not a Colts fan. Huh? Oh God, no! Not since they let go of Peyton. 
Yeah, no. We so don't. you were a fan when Manning was there? Oh, for sure. Okay. Peyton's my favorite. But so you're yeah. a bandwagon fan. That's what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, the Steelers <laughs> not too much of a band. They're not too much to celebrate right now. But uh, yeah, no. And I play, you know, I play fantasy football with obviously my college teammates. We have a fantasy okay. football league that we that we play. That's how we keep in touch so often. Are you a good fantasy football player? Great. Great fantasy football player. So do you guys play for fun or do you have like – We play, we play for fun and then we have, uh, you know, we have a punishment for the loser. Sure. So typically we, we do some – whatever we come up with, that's what they get. What's been the best punishment for a loser in the fantasy football? <laughs> well, this year is going to be great. We're going to have them, you know, go to a fancy big-time restaurant, Ruth Chris type deal, and a reserv- reservation for two. And you got to go in there and sit down with a giant stuffed animal. <laughs> And you're ordering like it is like a date. So you're just not ordering one steak. You're getting two steaks, two drinks, asking if they want anything, and you have to do that if you lose. So who's in last place right now? Is it a Right now it player? is Adam Wing. Adam Wing. He Wayne. is god-awful at fantasy football. <laughs> and this is like two years in a row he's been losing. So I know some people do like the 24 hours you have to spend in a Waffle House if you're the worst yeah, team in fantasy yeah, football. Yeah. Be, yeah, I think the next one we want to – like you have to do a 24-hour like airport deal. Like you got to fly from – Indy to Las Vegas, Las Vegas to Phoenix, 24 hours in the air. That'd be a great one. Have you ever finished in last place and been punished? I have not finished. I've been close. close I've not finished in last place. So <laughs> <laughs> to trying to avoid those punishments. We'll start to finish up here with uh, DJ Ballantyne. You talked about how 50-year career in coaching. We'll, we'll see if that happens or not. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you're early in your career. What have you found, I guess, surprising about the job? Not necessarily here, but your other stops and maybe the most rewarding part about the gig. I think uh, I should probably call and text uh, all my former coaches and apologize for all the <laughs> <laughs> for all the, all the discomfort I put them in. Now, uh, I think it's just how deeply you you're invested in this. Like every moment that you're awake is about the team, about mm-hmm. how you can get better, about what you need to do. Uh, I was talking to Rags about this the other day. Like it's hard sleeping you know, when the season's here, because when you close your eyes, you just see visions of a play, visions of a player. And I think that's the that's the most challenging part is trying to balance when you're off, you're off. But it's hard because it, you're always on as a coach. And I think that's what I've been experiencing. And then uh, the bond you have with the players, it's very hard because they're only here for four years. Right. And some, you know, less than that. So uh, having a bond with the players and not getting too attached when – uh, when they leave and not making it, uh, I guess, a, a feeling in your like – I guess a, what I'm trying to say is not being too emotionally attached. Right. And so uh, that's the best thing about being – about coaching, though, is making those connections, uh, seeing what you put in with those guys and then seeing them do on the court and winning. That's, that's a great feeling, great feeling. Let's finish up with this. A uh, few more non-conference games to go before we go back yeah, into Valley yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, Seven yeah. and two start. Uh, so what do you think with this group are some keys to, uh, I think right now they've already you know, been overachievers in terms of outside expectations, <laughs> maybe not internally, but no, sure. what are some keys the rest of the year for this group, you think? Sticking with it. You know, not letting the outside success deter us off our, our, our vision, our goals, our path, uh, you know, because the success that we're having is – not expected for many, you know. So a lot of things are coming our way that a lot of guys haven't experienced, and so not letting the outside noise affect or affect us uh, internally and stay the course, stay focused with one another, embrace our purpose. We always say that. Uh, understand why we're here. Understand what we came here to do and finish the job. DJ, glad to have you back. Thanks for your time. Hey, no problem, Jevin. Thank you. 
Get the home field advantage every time with Fairfield by Marriott, official hotel partner of the NCAA. Whether you're a student athlete working toward your championship dreams or your team's biggest fan, Fairfield has everything you need to get ready for game day. From comfortable guest rooms to complimentary hot breakfast, Fairfield is part of the Marriott Bonvoy portfolio of hotels. Visit fairfield.marriott.com to book your next game day stay. Sometimes during Christmas, something magical happens. Hey, Cricket customers. The Max with Ads plan is included with the Cricket $60 Unlimited plan at no additional cost. And this holiday season, Max is the one to watch when you're feeling festive. Son of a nutcracker. Cozy up to all the holiday classics like Elf, 8-Bit Christmas, and the Harry Potter 8 film collection. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. Phone plans, streams, and standard definition programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See CricutWireless.com for details.